What is the best gift you've ever been given by a non-family member? I'll say that so we don't all get in trouble. Wow, that's tough. I wish I could prepare for this. Oh, that's no fun. Yeah, on the fly. It, well, anyway, my answer is my favorite, so I'll save it to the end, but I've, I brought it for show and tell. I don't know. Do you have anything, Sarah? At the top of my head. Well, see, my bookshelf's right there, so I'm just going to go with the book. Uh, when I first started in home builder marketing, I was given Influence uh, by Robert Childani. I love that one, so I still yeah. have that one over there. So yeah. that was a great gift from a non-family member. That counts, yeah. Yeah. Good book recommendations. I would just say anything handmade. I just, uh, I really appreciate like when I had my son, people were like, they gifted me like handmade little blankets and, and toys and those, you just cherish them more than anything you could pick up off the store. So I'm I'm a sucker for, for handmade items. If anyone just wants to randomly send me gifts. So, well, let's get started. Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the industry leaders at Do You Convert, where we talk about the current and future state of marketing and online sales for builders and developers across the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. Is there a topic you'd like us to cover or a question you'd like us to answer? We'll do it. Simply send an email to show at doyouconvert.com. Welcome to episode 259. I'm Kevin Oakley and with me today is Jackie Lipinski and Sarah Simmerman. And we are broadcasting live from the metaverse outside of the brand new KB Home Sales Center and Model Park. For those of you watching the video, that's where we're broadcasting from. Uh, more on that uh, later, but I couldn't resist. Some good stuff there and some stuff to learn. And yeah. Uh, anyway, story time. Let's start there where we have to start at the beginning. And Sarah, you're up. Yeah, Jackie and I had a meeting with a builder earlier this week, and the topic of Google reviews came up. So specifically, so they have a great process in place right now where their sales team and their team is asking for reviews, but they're looking for platforms that would kind of automate that process for them to, I guess, reduce the workload on their team. They have great reviews. They have a great process. Um, I think... I personally think those programs are good if you're maybe going from nothing, but there is a thing of over-automating. I mean, I love automation. I think it helps a lot, but you can over-automate. You pull too much of the personal touch out of it. I would always be concerned to remove too much and start seeing a decrease in those reviews. Yeah. Systems can help uh, with that, but the biggest thing is just removing friction. So you can you can do low-tech ways. It's not in our slate for articles, but Scott Saddam wrote a really great article that was in ProBuilder, I think, talking about how, like, why doesn't software work in our industry or why hasn't it solved the problems? It's because a lot of the problems aren't problems with the software. It's a problem with humans and training. And so there are so many low-tech ways to help with that problem too. Like, e even if you just had a simple card with, I know Will Duterstadt, hold on to your heart, QR codes or something that just said, hey, making it easy for the customer in a single click or two to get there because it's not just getting the review, it's getting on the platform. And that's where mm -hmm. we, we don't recommend it for use in terms of messaging overall, but, but Podium is owned by Google. So if you want kind of this, the easiest, simplest way to get more reviews in Google specifically, Podium's a great option to look at, but 
their chat and messaging functionality or using it as a lead source is, is rough because they don't have great API connections to other things because Google doesn't really want you to go other places. So they're trying to build it out to be more and more. But a lot of builders went went to that because Google sold them on it. And then we're like, where those 85 leads? I don't see them in Lasso. <laughs> oh, they don't connect. But they said they'll email us once a month and send us the database if we ask. Like, that's not going to work. Yeah, yeah that doesn't work. One of the other details that came out of that meeting was that this company who approached them about, we're going to make your ratings go above and beyond, was absolutely not familiar with the home building industry and was trying to be like, well, all of your listings. And it was, they're like, yeah, we work with real estate companies. And then they sent him a bunch of examples of apartment companies. So it was like, well, you also have to realize who you do partner with, or if you're trying to create these relationships with, like we're, we're a very unique industry and we have different needs. So it's, it's where we focus on too for, for those reviews. So we're not selling shirts. We don't need 10,000 yeah. reviews of the same shirt. So that was, yep. yeah, their, their pitch sounded like it was definitely practice towards e-commerce companies and they just tried to adapt it to home building. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and repetitive things too. I remember when, when a lot of those services first came around, it was use in doctor's offices, dentists, like small proprietorships where you'd, you'd be in and out regularly. And so, you know, if you're going to see or interact in, in an office setting with an organization three, four times a year, the chances that one of those times you're going to be like, yeah, I'm just still sitting here waiting. <laughs> Maybe that's not going to be a good review, but I'm sitting here waiting or I'm waiting for my kid to get out from getting their teeth cleaned. I might as well give them a review and, and give it a shot. But yeah, I agree. I think Avid Ratings is still Avid, Guild Quality, and nothing against either one of those organizations either because those I would say are two of the best, Willen O'Brien, is a lot of builders are doing this on their own now too. Not just ratings and reviews, but surveying uh, or micro-surveying too. So it, it doesn't have to be overcomplicated. Yeah, and I think it helps you pivot as a builder too when you when you learn the friction points. So you can only fix what you can track. That's what I like. Yeah. My story time is a home story. I have a slow drain in my yard and it's, I've only lived in my house for, uh, it's actually three years last week and maybe twice a year, our drain in the backyard for a walkout basement kind of doesn't, doesn't drain enough and, and leak. So I got a quote for getting it fixed and it was in my head. I was like, this is maybe going to be $10,000. If it's an extreme problem, they quoted me $28 thousand dollars yeah um <laughs> which were my husband and i want a new car we're like new car drain that slightly yeah. wraps up twice a year like that does not that does not compute in, in our heads and does not cause enough problems um so the the real story is just and, and then after we kind of alluded to this is too much for us it doesn't seem like it's a, a valuable improvement Honor and the guy's like, yeah, you know, I actually haven't done one of these. So, uh, so I feel like he admitted he pulled that mu- number out of nowhere. He he doesn't have experience, and we were going to be his test lab rat for this project. And it didn't also make me feel comfortable with their company than doing the project if I had hired them because he just admitted he's like, oh yeah, okay, good. So it was a it was a please please walk away price. But <laughs> subs are still crazy, and then getting to the final, like, do you have experience with this? Oh no. And then giving me a crazy price also just made me go, what year is this? So just yep. 
keep being aware of that or when you're when you're um keep seeing any, anytime supply and demand gets off balance there's going to need to be a reset period, but that reset period only happens when people say no. Mm-hmm. And so maybe your job is just to help them. I did. I politely <laughs> closed the door on them and said, yeah. thank you for your time. We, we got a quote to put up Christmas lights around the outline of our, our house for $7,000. And, you know, the guy spent 10 minutes talking to me to prepare the quote, sent me something that someone in Asia probably had made in Photoshop of what it would look like and then never followed up again. And why? Because he doesn't need to. Like there's some, there's enough people apparently who are, are willing to pay for you know, a quarter of a car to, to light up their house for 30 days. Not us. So I, yeah, it's, it's, it's been really interesting. And even transparently for us, the, the surge of home builder interest as, as they're either looking to top grade who they're partnering with or just need the help uh, more now than before. And so they're reaching out and asking. It's really tempting to be like, well, we could, yeah, we could ask for a lot more because there's more demand than we can supply, but it's just not good business and it doesn't set up a good long-term relationship when you do that. So I'm not saying this to, to humble brag, but like Apple as an example is the only tech company, large tech company so far that has not had mass layoffs. And it's because they're the only tech company. One of the reasons is probably that they're the only tech company that didn't have mass hirings during the pandemic, they didn't say, we, oh my gosh, we got to hire 50,000 extra people because of this increased interest in technology and our opportunity to, to pounce on it. It was like, no, we're going to do what we do and growth will keep coming over time and we're going to stay focused. And now, you know, if you're looking to get great talent, Apple in theory still can still hire while other folks, you know, Microsoft just announced 10,000 layoffs yesterday and everyone else has already had their turn there. So it's just slow and steady wins the race. Most of the time, <laughs> sometimes you got to sprint. I'm going to tell a story. Uh, I, I always have Kimberly Mack in my head because the one time she was like, you never know what you're going to hear at the beginning of Kevin's podcast. Thinking about Vegas, going back to Vegas for the Builder Show. Uh, link in the show notes. We have six sessions, again, from the Do You Convert team there in total. One of the best parts is eating with your compadres in the industry. And I think it was five years ago that I was at a, I think it was the, one of the, Chi- the Chinese restaurant in the wind or encore. And, um, Will Duterset and I ordered chicken feet. And if you go on Facebook, uh, you can go watch that video, but I have no, I have, I still have no idea how to eat a chicken foot, but I definitely did it incorrectly because I think you're just supposed to eat the skin ish material. And Will and I just took a bite, like took a whole chicken, actual chicken finger or toe, uh, and like bird bones are hollow. I'm not trying to gross anybody out, but it was, it was not appetizing whatsoever, but still a great experience. Great, great time with everyone around the table. Yes. Keep getting questions. Will there be a pancake breakfast? There will be a pancake breakfast, but I intentionally not over communicating because I don't have the bandwidth this year in particular to answer 50 questions about where exactly. So just be alert and it'll be like a broadcast message that everyone who needs to get it will get it Monday night or Tuesday about the the time and location. But there will be a, a as, as usual, do you convert uh, Kevin Oakley pancake extravaganza get together for all marketers who are interested and we'll have some of our partners from the summit and uh, long-term partners there as well. But as usual, no selling, 
I'm not there to help you. They're to feed you. We're there to feed you, not to sell you. <laughs> Whatever. So yeah, I'm looking forward to, to some good food. And I also, a pro tip for those of you who this might be your first year or second year going to the show, book multiple dinners. This is like going to Disney World. You don't have to just eat once. It's okay to book two or three dinners, eat half of your meal there, say hello to everybody, move on to the next dinner, say hello to everybody. Go. You not only get to sample different food, but you get to see more people that way. So it's okay. I mean- Nothing wrong if you want to hang with one group for three hours, but uh, sometimes it takes longer to get your meals and it's okay to just float around. It's easy to get around that, that town. All right, on to the news. First up, and I don't know actually if we've talked about this organization before, but a friend of mine, Jeff Turner, is an advisor. He's been on the program before to a company called Style Dodd. And it's another one of these organizations that, that was offering kind of the ability to fix images, automatically remove images, do lots of interesting things. And there's so many of those now that I think what's really interesting about what they've done is pivoted a little bit uh, to uh, now they have a, a URL called reimaginehome.ai. Got to have the .ai there because you don't want people to miss out that AI might be involved. Um, but it's kind of focused on remodeling, which I think is really interesting because of this uh, generative AI you know, the examples it's showing of, you know, you can, you can mask an area, interior, exterior, and then get multiple outputs of what it could look like. Um, and so we don't need to spend a lot of time. If you're watching the video, you're, you're looking at different examples of that um, from, from fairly straightforward, you know, family room, living room setup to uh, a pool that's encompassing almost the entire backyard of a multi-acre estate. And all that's being done by artificial intelligence, you just have to mark out the area that you want to do that. And so I think it's just, uh, one, it's an interesting use case for AI, but also just it, it's fun to watch people pivot as they're trying to find uh, the market that they want to help solve. Um, next up from Forbes.com, who can de-risk your transformation? Eh, who can, yeah, who can... <laughs> I don't love the headline now that I'm seeing it, but who can, who can de-risk your transformation? The CMO, <laughs> which a lot of humbling organizations do not have a CMO, maybe because they're not big enough, but also just because um, marketing doesn't often have a seat at the big boy, big boy and girl table. Um, and uh, it's just kind of an argument. And I post this on a weekend in all access and probably the most response I've ever had from an article that I would posted on a Saturday because it just basically is saying, all of the things that most of us know, but, but other folks in the organization don't about how marketing can help beyond advertising. Uh, so a couple, couple of bullet points from the article, and then we can discuss collaborative or collaborate, unlock the power of CMOs as chief dot connectors. And because our focus is on the customer and how to serve the customer and communicate with the customer and support the customer, um, we don't, all the excuses don't necessarily stick to us. We're like, um, flubber or whatever, like everything bounces off. That's an excuse. You're like, no, we can do that. We can do better. No, I know, but we can do better. Uh, and helping different part departments in the organization collaborate uh, better. Uh, two is care, transparent communicators, uh, just, you know, communication being a key skill. You know, a department might have a great opportunity, but if they can't articulate it well because it's not in their skill set, well, hopefully communication is part of your skill set if you're a marketer. Uh, inspiration. 
uh, empowerment, uh, digital transformation, understanding technology, you know, just if you want to lead through change, and we were, I think we've already talked about this already, like the hardest part is not the tech, it's not the ad platform, it's getting people to change their behavior, which could lead into some, you know, marketing need to working with sales in terms of, of selling internally. But either one of you have thoughts on this article? I feel like the CMO is that graphic that always comes around LinkedIn with the Legos. And it's like the data, the data sorted, the data arranged, visually presented, and then explained with a story. And then there's mm-hmm. even graphics that are like, and then um, if you Google it, there's, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes, but then the next one is actually actionable and useful. And how do, what do we do with it? And I think that's exactly how the CMO acts for a lot of companies. You're right with that, with that collaboration, because sometimes people don't have to dabble in other departments and, and really marketing does need to be aware of what's happening in so many different avenues, I think, to be very successful at their job. So um, I, I definitely agree with that um, first one of the chief dot connector um, sub-job. What do you think, um, Sarah? Yeah, I, I agree. And I also um, really, the fifth one, so the technology, digital transformation too, I think marketing kind of at least in the home building industry, the marketing team got kind of a head start on looking at all the technology and with um, implementing CRM systems and other automation tools, we definitely got a head start on learning how to kind of work through that and make it happen successfully. So with more digital tools, I mean, if you think back to the the beginning of 2020, when every everything had to transfer online, I know we don't like to think about that, but I mean, it was, I think in most situations, marketing that led that that charge for sales and marketing and for the company as a whole on how to make that work. Um, so I think the the marketing team is really set up to be successful at that. Yeah, I, I'm trying to quickly find, I asked this as a LinkedIn poll at the end of last year, but I part of the exercise I mentally go through is, well, could you replace this with other titles? and and argue for similar points. Obviously you could, um, but like, why not say the chief sales officer? Um, and, and so the reason I want to find this, the, the results of this poll is because I asked, Hey, do you view sales and marketing as essentially the same thing or, or different parts of the same coin? Like a little bit of, of this, a little bit of that. And to me, it was just really interesting that most people, here we go. So this was during the holidays. I'll do a quick screen share for those of you watching. Do you think sales and marketing are very different disciplines, very similar disciplines, or somewhat similar disciplines? Mm. And it ended up being a tie between very different and somewhat similar of 39% each. However, 23%, one out of four, essentially said that they are very similar. And here's how I break that thought further apart is that they are very similar. It's like um, chimpanzee DNA and human DNA or whatever. I mean, I'm not a evolutionary biologist, but <laughs> whoever is that closest cousin to ours, there's a lot of similarities, right? A lot of that DNA is the same, but it is the differences that matter. And so you can celebrate both parts of it you, and you should. You should be like, hey, there's a lot, of, like we're all trying to get the customer to take this action that's at the end and support them through that. So in that way, we are similar and we should have similar um, messaging and our, we should exude the company culture 
and some like there's all this stuff that's the same, but what is different is radically different. And that I think to me is why the CMO article is uh, such a good kind of tool to to think through yourself and your own organization if you find it difficult to to get that seat at the table. Is that what is very different is iterative thinking. So if I'm a salesperson uh, and I sell 12 homes this month on a sales goal of five, I'm probably not thinking to myself constantly in the moment. And feel free to judge me and tell me you're, I'm, I'm stupid. Leave, leave a comment. Give us a phone call. Send us an email at show at doyouconvert.com and, and tell us differently. I don't think the immediate impulse is, but I think I could fix something and sell 15. I think the immediate impulse is, holy smokes, life is crazy chaotic and going well. And I'm, I'm not, not trying to get better. I'm not saying sales salesperson's default answer is I don't want to get better, but the activity breeds activity there in a different way because marketers work with technology and we can gain momentum and it, it would be easy to let the momentum carry itself and kind of move on to the next area. But there's just part of, of a lot of marketers that we work with who it's like, they just, it's like the squirrel trying to break into the bird seed. Like, I'm just going to keep finding different, better iterative ways. I think the iterative thinking, the focus on the customer experience and understanding that sometimes that it's not good to get the sale because you're not that close to it. I just think we'll talk more about that uh, later because I, I'm just there's more things in my mind hitting me now than I, I want to go through at the moment because we got other stuff to talk about. But the differences are very, very different. And and that's why they are different roles. This would be a fun 360 topic with a um with a chief marketing officer and yeah, or a fun keynote at the summit this year or at the builder show, or who knows where you might no, come up. But it, it's it is they are similar but very different. All right. I think we got more, more to talk about. We should move on. Up next, and we, we talked about this when the story broke, but Zillow released a little bit more detail. New, new service from ZillowGroup.com. New service from Showing Time Plus enables agents to deliver beautiful dynamic listings with less hassle. So uh, we talked before about Showing Time, which is um, kind of the on-demand access platform for real estate agents, uh, showing scheduling showings, uh, getting them uh, communicated to all the different parties that uh, Zillow is continuing to build out and improve, kind of tying into their concept of a super app. And now they're adding on to Showing Time Plus what they call listing media services. And, um, and so that allows at the same click of a button for you to schedule photos and virtual tours and all the rest. And one of the interesting things about that then is the, like the interactive floor plan that's generated when you choose to add that service is automatically syndicated to Zillow, Redfin, and other uh, MLS services. And this is the real important part because it's not just the content, but you're also getting exposure. The listing then receives specialized exposure and unique filters and search results on Zillow and Trulia and is featured in dedicated emails to shoppers. So this is how Zillow tends to operate, which is I actually I really like it. They're like, hey, if you do what we want you to do because we, we think it's in the best interest of the consumer, we will reward that behavior with additional exposure or additional lead volume or all the things you want. So I, I just think it's interesting. Z Zillow tends to, to act with us like we would with our kids. Please clean your room. If you want that extra 30 minutes of screen time, go clean your room and then you can, you can have it. 
And I think, again, at the, the common like Sesame Street theme of the episode is managing change and, and making change stick. They don't always get it right, but I think it's just an interesting approach of Zillow to encourage this additional content that they really believe consumers want to see more of consistently. Yeah, and I think the people who always go above and beyond are usually rewarded well, even the sales agents who, you know, follow up with the CRM system and really get engaged with it, see the most value. So I think the same will be the people who take advantage of this the most properly are going to obviously the, be the biggest brand ambassadors for it too. Yeah, and of course, I continue to ask. No one's answering me. <laughs> I'm not really talking to you. I'm just asking the, the ether, like, when is this going to show up for builders from Zillow or others? These services have been around. There are uh, other services out there. Um, Virtuance is one. Gosh, there's there's too many to name. But they're you know as if they service your area, they've contract with photographers and um, virtual tour creators, and you can order all that stuff in a package. But Zillow's trying to make it ever easier to do so, and I think there's a lot of builders, especially medium and smaller size builders, who and well, I guess everyone really, who would be really excited about being able to solve that problem consistently with the push of a button. Mm -hmm. Next up from search engine land.com. And I think, well, Google search responds to bank rate and other brands using AI to write content. In short, don't produce content that is written just for search ranking. So Jackie, give a little bit of background of, of why we pulled this one in, in terms of someone else asking this yeah. question. And in, in uh, the, do you convert all access? It was, uh, I believe Janice who asked like, am I going to get, we, we talked about Jasper AI. I shared a, a graphic example of a, a, a short home listing and then Jasper creating a nice creative writing description for it. And she was basically asking if, you know, can we be penalized? Does Google recognize this and, and does it impact SEO? So this article, I think, is coming out at a great time to because I think there are a lot of unknowns. You know, we're seeing obviously college students be penalized for using AI. But I just I was just joking with another builder like I'm like, I'm glad I graduated. Like, give me the tools like these are tools we should be taking advantage of if we need them. And from the article, it does. And I know you brought up a couple of good points when we chatted um, pre uh, podcast, Kevin, but Basically, if content is helpful and created for people first, it doesn't seem to be an issue. But I think there's also that's now and to be determined what that means in six months and legality wise too. how who owns that writing and is it varied enough from the AI that that you get to claim it. So I know you had some some additional um, notes on that, Kevin. Yeah, if you've been around long enough, you remember the term keyword stuffing, which we don't hear a lot anymore, but that's because Google punished that back in the day when we would walk uphill both ways to um, to work. You know, you'd go on a website or a web page, and it would have the word "new homes" on it thirty thousand times in white text on a white background, in hopes that that would <laughs> tell the search engines that you should rank for the term "new homes." Essentially, what he's saying is is not anything new. He's just saying the concept of creating large amounts of any signal for the express purposes of a search engine is not inherently it within it means you are creating a subpar customer experience and that could be harmful over time. But if you're truly creating helpful content that's getting the customer to their final goal, then again, it's not anything new. He's just framing it specifically to the question around this of 
as long as it is truly useful content for the consumer. And, and that means the consumer continues to vote like, like anything else. And so conceptually, you could say, this is awesome. I could write 20 blog posts in an, in an afternoon about a single topic and try to dominate that for search using those 20 blog posts. But if each one of those 20 pages gets a whopping two visitors who all bounce after four seconds, it's not doing you any good. Right. More and more and more, Google is looking at its own first-party data to determine, is that consumer finding an answer? And not just looking at the content on its and own. I think, I think what's fun that comes out of this, too, is that um, at the end of the year, I'm the person who gets to look through the analytics that do converts data and see what the most popular blogs are and how do we talk about those. And Sarah, I think it was Sarah and Andrew's articles about very specific topics that were extremely long, but typically like, how do you build out your Google analytics for Sarah? What was yours? The, um, dashboard building. Yeah. Yeah. But, and then it just gave step-by-step instructions. But I, I, I think I know exactly what you're saying, Kevin, is those, there's a lot of fluff and AI does have fluff. And if you want fluff, that's okay. But you, we don't want to focus on that. We want to focus on the the goals of what we're trying to write and creating that experience and creating learning experiences. And, and AI is not necessarily going to know the things we know. Um, so we, you always need to add that human touch and ideally learning experiences in your articles. So people have takeaways and they, and also, you know, how we train them and how they read an article too. We don't want them to go, well, that was not worth my time and not come back. So just create a lot of value in how you, um, prioritize what you use AI, um, content creation or, um, writing. At the end of the day, I, I just keep coming back to the analogy of a calculator. You know, I, I need calculators to do math. I always have full transparency. Even when I was in honors pre-cal calculators, didn't save me, right? I failed the class. I got a D I retook it. I think I got a C minus or something barely improved a second time through the class and never took another math class after my junior year because of it. Um, like calculators are useful, but only they're only as useful as your ability to use them. And right now, you know, chat, GTP, Jasper and the like, there are calculators for reading and writing. And one of the things that Julie Jarnigan and I were talking about earlier is, you know, if you're, if you're all like, if all the home builders in the country all said to themselves, we want to make an article around a specific topic. If they don't add specific parameters about their geography or give it additional data that's unique to you, the builder, those articles can and often have in testing come back pretty similar at times. And again, that to me goes with the calculator analogy of, yeah, but the answer of two plus two equals four is also pretty similar. Like we can all push that in different calculators. We come out with at the end with a similar answer. And, um, and that's why you want to look at it as a tool that can be iterative and help you brainstorm and fill blind spots and edit and check grammar. But if you're using it to do your homework for you, then when it breaks, would you even know is one trick, right? Like if you're, you're going from step A to step F and something breaks at step C and all you know is A to F, and that's, that's what a lot of uh, people are talking about on Twitter right now is people getting jobs answering interview questions using chat GPT, chat, chat GPT looking and sounding really smart. And then, oh crap, you got to get in there and code. And maybe you can use the same tool to help fix some code. But eventually, like if, it's going to come back against you if you don't don't really understand it 
the, the core concepts. So the other thing, the way I've talked about it recently is like, congratulations, your company just hired a 15 year old employee who has an unlimited bandwidth, never gets tired, doesn't need to eat, doesn't get paid, but is completely at your disposal to do anything you want it to do in terms of research, writing, reading. That that's kind of the other way to think about it. We used to talk about Facebook's algorithm as being, you know, like a dog puppy, like, Hey, here's what I want you to do. Good boy. Good girl. Go do it again. <clears throat> and now you just need to think about it currently as like a 15 year old. So there okay. we go. All right. Next up from builderonline.com. KB home launches a virtual new home community in the metaverse. The first of its kind virtual community features a welcome pavilion and three model homes with interactive features for visitors to explore. KB Homes says a virtual host will greet and educate potential buyers on the benefits uh, with multiple ways for visitors to continue their buying journey in the physical world. So there's other kind of marketing talk. And the first thing, as we always like to emphasize here is, again, and I'll, I'll pull out the sound effects for this too, right? Uh, good job on taking a step forward, on being um, a risk taker, on doing something that that moves the industry and your own organization forward because we can all learn from this. So this is not just throwing tomatoes, ha ha, look at them. There is some good here, there, but, but this is early. And I think the, the main kind of point before we dive into the actual thing that I would say, say to anyone about innovation, and I talked about this two years ago at the summit, is I'm a big fan of innovation in the dark, so to speak where you create an idea, try to solve a problem, come up with a concept, give it a shot, let it meet the real world, get feedback, then iterate, then get feedback, then iterate, then get feedback, then iterate, get feedback. And then eventually, when it's good enough, then you take it to the world, then you say what's going on. There's so many benefits to that, and we, we kind of do some of that at Do You Convert at times. Is we, we don't need the whole world to know right now what we're thinking about doing two years from now. That's not... You know, you're just tipping your hat to, to anyone else who wants to quickly copy you about where you're going. Uh, the second is if people dive past the headlines when you talk about, I mean, a lot of builders caught the same flack for this, not just from me, by the way, from a lot of people about saying, we were the first builder to do this online. We're the first builder to let you reserve. We're the first builder to sell. We're the first builder to let you sell, to, to, to buy virtually anywhere in the country. All these firsts but no one still has the killer app, the, the killer way to do it that everyone just looks at and goes, oh gosh, we can't really make that better. It's so, so good. So that's just, I, again, I applaud the innovation. It's a little curious that they, someone, it might just be their PR company they work with and not even the builder itself or the person who built this for them might be running the PR and not the builder. Like there's all, who knows all the scenarios here, but someone sent out to all the media outlets uh, that this, you know, first of its kind virtual community experience in the metaverse was happening. And so here we are talking about it. Uh, but again, first of all, good job to the folks at KB for giving it a shot. Okay. Um, now here's, here's the first curious thing to me, and I will come back to a screen share just to, to walk through this a little bit while we're talking is, and this might not translate to podcasts. Okay. We'll leave in the audio, but, uh, but for those of you in all access, you can watch the video. It's on a metaverse called Decentraland. And so what you need to understand, first of all, is I'm pulling up a giant map that is the interface of this tool. And so you start in the central plaza and it's a grid system. So the central plaza of the town 
is coordinate zero, zero. And there are, I don't know, maybe 30, 40 different um, places in this metaverse that have become popular enough or gotten to a certain level where, where on the map there is an icon like the Meta Grow Shop. Sounds like something to do with weed, maybe, <laughs> uh, is at coordinate negative 31.3. But Decentraland became popular. If you remember, we talked about this. Um, Snoop Dogg bought land in the metaverse here, and then everyone else was trying to buy land around it and close to it in proximity because they thought if you were close to Snoop Dogg, um, that's going to be a benefit to you. Well, the first problem is none of the articles talked about the actual location of where uh, this virtual experience is. So here you go. For those of you following along at home or want to jump in, the KB Home experience is at negative 114 and negative 17. That took me about 12 minutes to find, which you would think with all the fanfare, this would be easy to find, uh, but, it, but it is not easy to find at all. So it's here in this place. Its neighbors are a kind of jazz nightclub uh, with giant jaguars and um, what looks to be maybe a Saudi prince or someone's personal playground with like a mega yacht and this thing floating in the sky, um, like a, a glowing face of some sort. Uh, very, very interesting environment uh, to be sure. It's going to pop up here. <laughs> oh. Look at that thing. So if you're in the backyard of one of the model homes, you're seeing this glowing from the sky and instantly unless you're really trying to shop for a house, you're like, what is that giant glowing object in the sky? And now you're, now you're distracted. Um, just like I'm distracting myself by, by showing this, I'll, I'll turn it off. The things that it does well are, um, they do have a virtual attendant there. There, I, there is no one there kind of able to answer questions or interact with you. Um, I've probably spent in total today about 45 minutes in that space. I've seen one other individual um, maybe from my own article uh, link or someone else checking it out, but it, it's just very hard to find. There is a, a virtual assistant, um, but it's clearly written by a marketer who isn't thinking about a consumer experience. So when you're in a virtual world, like you go visit a model home in real life, you're going to get that sales presentation about who we are, what we do and why we're different. That's not an experience we necessarily need to recreate one for one in a virtual world where you walk in and get stopped. Like there should be like, like Disney world, like it should just show you all the stuff as it's narrating and, and kind of feel different. The other thing that's really a challenge is they tried, they have three different model homes that you can tour. You can change the exteriors, which is, which is nice on the fly between uh, the different elevations. And then you can walk to the front door of one of them and then you pop into another another virtual world that just is that house. Um, but the scale isn't quite right. And I don't know if they just dropped in like a, a BIM drawing, a CAD drawing file and, and tried to scale it as best they could. But it in a virtual world, I don't think you should ever feel claustrophobic. And sometimes because of the way the cameras work and distortion and, and the rest, it, you, you know, you go into, I'm, I'm sure I would never feel like I was in, you know, uh, a Guatemalan prison cell if I went into the powder room of any of these homes, they look like great, great homes, but, and, th and there are some, some rooms that you just couldn't access. I think for that reason, it would feel too small. Um, but, but scale was, was kind of off. You could, uh, another pro is you could go in the kitchen 
and swap out different materials just like you would in an interactive tool on a website. So the countertops, cabinets, flooring, lighting, um, or some other things. There were calls to actions. You could click um, anytime in the corner on the KB Homes icon, or you could uh, you know submit a lead or basically a request for more information to be contacted as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I, the, the the other kind of really strange thing is that there, if, if you're familiar with video game technology, the, the light box, so to speak, where the lighting of this world comes from is based upon the world's light scheme. And so apparently in Decentraland, midnight is at, or, or sunset is at 12 noon Eastern. So when I was in there the first time, it was fine. And I came back again, it was getting dark and all of the all of the walls that were white, kind of beige-ish in the, in the models were now pink and purple because of the color of the sun outside, which then meant that in terms of looking at colors and changing materials, it didn't really function as well either. Um, but, I, you know, and this might surprise people, for what it is, I would ultimately give it kind of a, like a, a 7 out of 10, 6 out of 10. And some people are going to be mad at me say that I'm being too nice some people are going to say I'm I'm not being nice enough, but I just don't know what else you could do in this space. The only other thing I could think of quickly was gamification, where if you could design your version of one of those three homes and then kind of create a little mini uh, version of this to sit in that showroom when you first started. So you could walk in and see like 30 people's versions of homes and maybe vote on one or like open it up and experience it or have people a design contest of some sort. I don't know, but I, it just doesn't currently seem like there's anywhere else to go other than that's interesting. Yeah. And, and Decentraland in total, from what I could quickly gather about 40,000 visitors a day from around the world. So like it's, it's a worldwide platform. So when you think about it that way, it's like, uh, and yet, you know, KB Homes through this process undoubtedly knows more about this than any of us. Like there's internal learning that's happened. So again, do you need to have an account to in the all access article? Because again, you can't find this. And there's some conspiracy theories of like, maybe KB doesn't really want anyone to use this. They just want the headline and they're hoping no one goes there. I don't think that's, I don't think that's the case. I just, but you can just share a direct link, which I'll, I'll put in the chat for both of you. uh, And it just pulls it up. And you're, you just click enter as guest. You don't have to give them your email address or anything. And you're off to the races uh, in exploring the town. All right. Last but not least, favorites. Sarah, favorite movie, book, artist, experience. I found uh, this great book at a used bookstore. It's uh, Conversations with Picasso. Um, so it's mm. actually a... Uh, a photographer that used to photograph his uh, works and it's actually his like journal at their conversation. It's really interesting. So I've been reading oh, that, that one. Yeah. Is it, so it's pretty old? Like, yeah, it's like uh, from Paris in the thirties. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Jackie, how about you? I'm going to change mine to, uh, I had a quick note, but I use this app called Paprika. I think it's only like $9. And what it does is it strips away all the grandmother stories from every recipe that's ever existed and creates an ad-free, basically, um, menu cookbook. And then I'll save your favorites. You can review things. You can add your own. You can find things. But I've probably been using this app for 
four years. And it is, it is my go-to weekly grocery. Like what are my solid recipes? I always make thing because I don't have time to go to all like Pinterest was terrible. Cause it would send you linked out. Um, it is just my own data of my own favorites, one-time payment, um, app. And I, I just love that I can, can have that. And again, I don't have to deal with any of the ads of any cooking websites. Cause we all know how pleasant those are. Yeah. And that's also not that everything has to keep coming back to AI, but that's an example of a data set that's unique to you that right now would be difficult to leverage, but in the very near future, you'll just be able to say, okay, here are all the recipes that I already like and, and make all the time and now recommend based upon that, which is very different than just saying, what is the most popular things to feed your family, picking a couple. It's, it's a completely different process and you'd get way different answers, but I love that. Um, my favorite is my favorite gift that I've ever been given. This is a housewarming gift. Uh, yes, we're, we've been in the house for a year, but this person took a long time to find, I'm telling you, the perfect gift for me. And I didn't know it was coming. So it, it was peculiarly, it was wrapped very peculiarly. Uh, it's from Jim Bob Art hmm. on Etsy is the name of his store. And this person makes um, custom, like, ant- it says keeping animals in pants since 2015, I think is the, is his tagline. Um, but it's a series of, of plates. This one says pancakes go here and it's a, uh, I don't know, a it's an otter, right? Otter. Yeah. Just pointing <laughs> in its mouth, cute little hand-drawn plates. Another one said pancake destroyer. And it showed a picture of a mouse about to devour a pile of pancakes, but it was just like perfect. My kids immediately, they said, are we allowed to eat on those? Uh-huh. Are you going to put them on your wall? <laughs> I said, no, of course we're going to eat on them. But the second question was, tell us again what you do, dad. Every time anything gets sent to the house, you're like, what do you do? Because you say you talk to people, but that's weird because we talk to people and no one sends us stuff like this. That is pretty funny. And that's my favorite. All right. Uh, by the time this comes out, we, Jack, you can edit this if we if we if we don't do it. But by the time this episode comes out as well, uh, you should be able to go to onlinesalesummit.com, which is or a link to the show notes for the online sales and marketing summit for 2023 in September with some really big news. Really big, very different. Um, we this is gosh the eighth event that we've had. And given the market dynamics and where everything is, and you know, already we're unfortunately hearing lots of builders say, "I can't go to the builder show." Uh, ownership said no travel, or even the owner is not going this year, and typically they would go. <clears throat> and so, already kind of knowing that was happening, it's been something we've talked about in the background for a while. Of wanted to change up the event and take a little bit of a different approach. So this year we're going to Gillies in Dallas, Texas, which we've had multiple online sales academies at before. We know the venue well. But it's an event venue. It is not a hotel. So that's the first difference. It's an actual event venue, which means we can have better food. We can have different food and more comfortable seating, uh, better lighting, be- better everything. And there's multiple rooms, uh, cool vibe. They actually have a concert hall. When Jen was on the podcast, they were leaving the Online Sales Academy and they were setting it up for a um, a celebrity wrestling event. Right. So like it's a really cool venue. So that's the first difference. Uh, the second difference is that we are going to give away one free ticket to every one of the top 200 builders, or 
if you are not on the top 200 list, but you, you had more than 150 closings last year, then, uh, and, and ter- terms might be slightly different. You can check the fine print on the website, but all you have to do is purchase a meal voucher for $75 and the ticket is free. And then we're also going to have a limited number because there'll be obviously other people want to go who don't make that list or more than one person from a company uh, that we also will have a limited number. Tickets are not on sale yet, but you do want to go quickly and apply for your builder's free ticket or join the VIP list to be able to have access to that limited availability of the half price tickets. I was talking today with someone who's like, yeah, I can't go to the builder show. I'm, I can't even go to, to yours. And I said, well, we're going to do something to give you a good shot to go back to the boss and say, Hey, I don't have to pay anything to go. I just have to pay for travel and hotel. So check that link in the show notes. Definitely want to, don't want to miss that because we still will sell out. Although that is the final difference because of the venue space, <clears throat> we are going to be able to have more capacity. And last year, I think we had 35 different educational sessions, roughly something like that. We're going to be able to have even more because of the venue. So different tracks, different opportunities, more content than ever before and the best price ever, probably just for this year, because we expect by 2024, you're all going to be rolling in it again. That's, that's what we're hoping, right? Fingers crossed, fingers, toes crossed. All right. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to become a member for free of DU Convert's all access community app for home builders and developers. Watch behind the scenes videos from the podcast, frequent exclusive postings and analysis from the DU Convert team and access to private hangouts and more. We'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Market Proof Marketing. Can't wait for the next one or looking to connect with other new home marketers? Become a member of our private community, DYC All Access, which is 100% free and always will be. Get exclusive content not shared anywhere else, access to private events, and the ability to join a marketing impact group with other marketers like you around the country. Visit our link in the show notes or members.doyouconvert.com to join. All opinions expressed by me, Andrew Peek, Jackie Lipinski, and our castmates are solely our own opinions. Now get to work and make sure your company is market-proof. <laughs>